0: 1 Kings chapter 9 When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had achieved all that he'd desired to do the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon The Lord said to him I have heard the prayer and plea that you've made before me I've consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever My eyes and my heart will always be there As for you If you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel but if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them Then I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and will reject this temple I've consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, Because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshipping and serving them, that is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. At the end of twenty years during which Solomon built these two buildings, the Temple of the Lord and the Royal Palace, King Solomon gave twenty towns in Galilee to Hiram king of Tyre, because Hiram had supplied him with all the cedar and juniper and gold he wanted. But when Hiram went from Tyre to see the towns that Solomon had given him, he was not pleased with them. What kind of towns are these that you've given me, my brother? he asked. And he called them the land of Kabul. Now Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. Here is the account of the forced labour King Solomon conscripted to build the Lord's temple, his own palace, the terraces, the wall of Jerusalem and Hazor, Megiddo and Giza. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had attacked and captured Giza, he had set it on fire, he killed its Canaanite inhabitants and then gave it as a wedding gift to his daughter, Solomon's wife, and Solomon rebuilt Giza. He built up lower Beth Horon, Balath and Tadmor in the desert within his land, as well as his store cities and the towns for his chariots and for his horses whatever he desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon and throughout all the territory he ruled. There were still people left from the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. These people were not Israelites. Solomon conscripted the descendants of all these people remaining in the land, whom the Israelites could not exterminate, to serve as slave labour, as it is to this day. But Solomon did not make slaves of any of the Israelites, They were his fighting men, his government officials, his officers, his captains and the commanders of his chariots and charioteers. They were also the chief officials in charge of Solomon's projects. 550 officials supervised those who did the work. After Pharaoh's daughter had come up from the city of David to the palace Solomon had built for her, he constructed the terraces. Three times a year Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings on the altar he had built for the Lord, burning incense before the Lord along with them, and so fulfilled the temple obligations. King Solomon also built ships at Ezion-Geber, which is near Elath in Edom, on the shore of the Red Sea. And Hiram sent his men, sailors who knew the sea, to serve in the fleet with Solomon's men they sailed to Orpheir and brought back 420 talents of gold, which they delivered to King Solomon. Chapter 10 When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth you far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God, who's delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he's made you king to maintain justice and righteousness and she gave the king a 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices, and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Hiram's ships brought gold from Athea, and from there they brought great cargoes of wood, and precious stones. The king used the wood to make supports for the temple of the Lord and for the royal palace, and to make harps and lyres for the musicians. So much Almagwood has never been imported or seen since that day. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for, besides what he'd given her out of his royal bounty. Then she left and returned with her retinue to her own country. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold, with three miners of gold in each shield. The king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a great throne covered with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and its back had a rounded top. On both sides of the seats were armrests, with a lion standing beside each of them. Twelve lions stood on the six steps, one at either end of each step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's goblets were gold, and all the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver, because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's days. The king had a fleet of trading ships at sea along with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years, it returned carrying gold, silver and ivory and apes and baboons. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought... Not obedience. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, Everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons and spices, and horses and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as plentiful as sycamore trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kew. The royal merchants purchased them from Kew at the current price. They imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and of the Aramaeans.
1: 1 Corinthians chapter 10 For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry, I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Is it not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we, who are many, are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar, Do I mean that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, and I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I have the right to do anything you say but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in a meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. So when you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but for the good of many, so that they may be saved. For more resources to help you bring the Word to life, go to premier.org.uk slash Bible.
0: This reading has been taken from the NIV Bible Biblica and is published by Hodder and Stoughton.